This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Morning Bulletin podcast where we round up all the big headlines from overnight concerning Liverpool FC. And joining me on the line to get stuck into those headlines is my Blood Red colleague, Matt Addison. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, mate. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. It's day three of straight working before a day off and I'm feeling it a little bit. You had a half a day off yesterday. You've been working very hard, haven't you, mate? Yeah, some uh, stuff to get done yesterday and then another half day today, so... Quite nice to, to spread out the working hours, to be fair. Not so bad. It is. It is indeed, mate. And uh, yeah, we've got you for half a day today and I'm very happy that you're, you're on the line at this very early hour. And that first story we're going to get to look at is a Liverpool Echo exclusive uh, that Ian Doyle conducted yesterday with Jamie Carragher. And what's the Reds legend been saying to Ian? It's a really interesting piece that, that Doyle did yesterday with Karen. It sort of makes the point really that you know Liverpool won the FA Youth Cup in, in 2006 and 2007, but nothing really came of it in terms of long-term you know players coming through the system. And you know, Caro makes the point that next season that that could be different. Obviously, Liverpool won the FA Youth Cup last season, and, and we've seen players like Nico Williams, Curtis Jones, uh, sort of come through and start to establish themselves. And, and Jamie Carragher simply points out that you know next season. Liverpool could save a fair bit in the transfer market just by, you know, using these youngsters as as backup for Trent Alexander Arnold, for example, or, you know, instead of going out and spending fifty million on a creative midfielder to replace, you know, someone like Adam Lallana who might move on, then, you know, maybe Curtis Jones can can fill that role. And yeah, he uh, he sort of name checks Adam Lewis, Yasser Larucci as well as potential left back options and I think it'd be interesting to to see if either of those two can step up. I mean, obviously, I've seen a fair bit of both of them. And Adam Lewis, I think, is probably further ahead in, in his development at this moment in time, certainly from a defensive perspective. But then you know, he's had injuries and he's had his own sort of troubles over the, the last few months and, and years. So it'll be interesting to see where they're both at. But yeah, Cara makes a, a really good point that, you know, there's a real good group of, of youngsters coming through, as, as we've discussed plenty of times. But sort of have to, to credit Jurgen Klopp as well for, for giving them the opportunity and obviously just because you've won the FA Youth Cup doesn't mean that your young players will come through the system. There's plenty of examples of, of that being the case, obviously. With Chelsea, they've won leagues and, and, and cups and trophies and all sorts of things at youth level, but then it's only really recently under Frank Lampard that that started to show with the first team and, and Manchester City as well. People like Jaden Sancho obviously moved away from there because they weren't getting chances, but you certainly can't say that at Liverpool. And yeah, fingers crossed there'll be a couple of, of fresh faces coming through from the academy up into you know into the first team on a, a regular basis from. Well, not just next season, but maybe the remainder of this one as well. Jamie does go on to admit in the story towards the bottom of it that he uh, he feels Jurgen Klopp does need another top attacker, I think, to, to quote him, a better Divock Origi. And in previous interviews, Jamie has suggested Timo Werner could be the player to fit the bill. And the latest reports from Germany further underline, Matt, just how much the player himself wants this move to happen. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the latest sort of suggestion is that Bayern Munich were interested in him, but they've been told very much that, you know, Werner isn't interested in going there. And, and Barcelona as well have apparently held talks with his father. So I think his, his father sort of acts as his agent and they've had 
talks with the, the Spanish giants as well. So it, it seems that he's turned down Bayern Munich and, and Barcelona now as well. So, yeah, I think certainly Timo Werner has, has made it clear whether that's been publicly, directly in interviews or, or with little bits of transfer sort of gossip and news coming out like this sort of thing. It's it's very, very clear that he only wants to, to move to Liverpool. So it sort of reminds you a little bit of the, the Van Dijk saga when that happened and obviously didn't happen in the summer, but then it happened in the January and, you know, Liverpool knew at the time they were very confident that they would get the player because they'd convinced the player that, you know, it, it was the right place to move. He only wanted to move to Liverpool. There was all the big clubs interested at the time, obviously, I think Chelsea and, and Manchester City in, in the Van Dijk case. And, yeah, he ended up moving to Liverpool and Liverpool were were really confident in the end that as long as they paid the price, they would get their player. So it sort of reminds me a little bit in that sort of sense in that you know, the player is, has absolutely been sold on, on, on Liverpool. He's only interested in coming to Anfield. And I just think it would be it would be really strange, really, for, for these sorts of things to be coming out if Timo Werner wasn't pretty much convinced that whether it's this summer or or maybe the summer after that he is going to get this move because you know why would you you come out of your way to to make it known that you didn't want to go and play for Bayern Munich or, or Barcelona who let's be honest are certainly in the, the top five clubs in European football along with Liverpool so you wouldn't want to to burn your bridges if you weren't a hundred percent convinced that that the move to Liverpool was going to take place so. It sort of it suggests to me that you know Timo Werner himself thinks that this move to Liverpool is on, and it's a case of whether that's this summer, whether that's in the future. I don't know, but you know everything, not just this, but, but what we've talked about over the last few weeks as well. Everything really seems to point to, to this one being one that could happen. Have to agree with you. The ball is just in Liverpool's court, isn't it? Werner wants it to happen. If Klopp and Michael Edwards want it to happen, if the finance is in place, as you said, maybe if not this summer, maybe further down the line. It, it, it's it's their play. Less so with Kylian Mbappe. Now, uh, Matt, you did a very well-received podcast with French football expert Tom Williams at the weekends in which he explained why Mbappe to Liverpool does look very unlikely. But such is the modern world we live in. Mbappe has caused a bit of a stir with something he said on Twitter. It's, It's one of those stories that people may accuse like the Liverpool echo of clickbait and it's not really it's just reporting what Mbappe has said on Twitter and it you know again lifting the curtain a little bit it's very very popular people are very very interested in Mbappe and what's this uh, stir he's made then online yeah it's uh, an interesting one isn't it it's uh, a tweet from Kylian Mbappe himself which says everyone is talking but nobody knows and then there's a, a picture of him with his PSG shirt saying, saying I miss my team so <laughs> it, yeah it, it's a, a bit of a sort of a cryptic one if you like it's it's one of those where Liverpool have obviously been linked I mean I've, I've written the story in, in the last couple of weeks about that uh, a couple of days I should say about Kylian Mbappe as you mentioned and you know, there's other sort of people discussing whether or not it could happen, and you know everything that we understand is that it's it's quite unlikely. You know, the, the wages, the the finances that it would take to bring him in are absolutely enormous, and you know this summer in particular is one where we don't expect huge transfer fees to take place. Um, but yeah, obviously Mbappe has sort of heard the the speculation has resurfaced. It, to be honest, the, the sort of Mbappe 2020 stuff had gone a bit quiet, I think, for the last <laughs> couple of months. But in the last week or so, it, it does seem to have come back again. So, yeah, it, I wouldn't be going out and betting on, on that happening this summer. But, yeah, I think it's interesting that he's come out and 
sort of made that clear because I think that maybe points to the player wanting to, to calm down the, the speculation and sort of put PSG at ease, if you like it, that he's not going to, to go anywhere. So the, the speculation and the rumours are going to go on. And I think he will end up leaving PSG sooner rather than later. But you know, the, the most likely destination, I think, is probably Real Madrid. We'll remain with France for the final part of this podcast. And according to reports last night, President Macron is intent on stopping the Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga and Serie A from returning anytime soon. I didn't expect to be reading this on the Echo website. No, it's a really strange story, as you say. Obviously, Macron wants Italy, Spain, Germany and England to to follow what France have done, really, and put an end to the, the league season until at least September the 1st. So it's a really strange sort of situation in that I don't really understand why it's so important that, you know, European football follows exactly what France has done. Um, it, the, the sort of reports that have come out suggest that talks between, you know, the, the five countries that I've mentioned are taking place to sort of see if there can be some European-wide action where everybody takes the same path. And you know, the, the Premier League are still you know, on course for this June the 8th return. That's the, the most hopeful sort of scenario. And we imagine we'll hear a little bit more about that in the, the Premier League meeting to take place tomorrow. But yeah, Macron and, and France and, and the French government seem to, to think it's important that there's a European-wide sort of, you know, model that everyone follows. And I mean, they've obviously jumped the gun and gone first on that and, and they've made their decision now. But to be honest, I'm not quite so sure why... France is so desperate for everyone else to follow and and if they are that desperate why they announced that before it has been agreed with the the rest of Europe so it's a bit of a strange one it doesn't make a great deal of sense but in terms of you know the Premier League I don't think Liverpool fans should be too worried I think you know the Premier League will make their own decision and you know in terms of a a European-wide sort of scenario as as the next story that we're going to talk about is going to explain I mean it wouldn't be European-wide anyway in the sense that it would only be sort of the top five European leagues. So, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a strange one. Um, but yeah, I don't think we should read too much into it, to be honest. Strange one in strange times, but you've led us perfectly into our final kind of headlines. There's two, actually, we're going to review here because the, the, there was bad news from France, if that was to be the case from what Macron was saying there, but there was better news from Switzerland with confirmation that their domestic league is to, to restart and also by something that the UEFA medical chief, Professor Tim Mayers, had to say. Yeah, to, to start with Switzerland first, they've said that from May the 11th, um, elite professional teams can just begin full training again and grassroots teams as well interestingly there's a law on that that you can, can train in groups of five again for, for grassroots teams um, so interesting stuff and, and they want to, to start their top flight league again in terms of the football from June the 8th which is exactly the date that the Premier League are aiming for as well so certainly it's one to keep an eye on and there's 13 rounds of matches to go in Switzerland. So they've got, you know, a little bit more desperation, if you like. They've got a bit more of that season to finish than what we have in England, where you know most teams have, have got eight games, I think, and uh, maybe nine for for a couple of them. So it's it's an interesting one in that you know it, it's a, a similar scenario to the Premier League in terms of the dates that they want to finish by. Again, 
you know, interesting to sort of see what happens in, in tomorrow's Premier League meeting if if this Switzerland situation is discussed. And I think it's really interesting as well to gauge the reaction from the public and the players in Switzerland. Not had the chance to sort of delve into that in depth yet, but I think one of the, the things from from England in terms of resuming would be, you know, what the public reaction would be to that, whether you know the general public think it's the right thing to do or not. And, Sort of from a moral perspective as well, so it'd be interesting to see what happens in Switzerland with that in terms of, you know, whether they stick to these times or, or whether maybe there's a backlash or, or you know what sort of thing happens. It's going to be really interesting, and I think the the Premier League will be keeping a close eye on it, and obviously UEFA as well will be to, to sort of you know help smooth out any issues if there if there are any. And as you say, UEFA's chief Tim Meyer says. It's definitely possible to restart, so he seems to be siding more with Switzerland than, than with France. So, yeah, it, there's going to have to be comprehensive health protocols put in place, and there's going to have to be testing. And as we spoke about on Tuesday, if if one player gets coronavirus during you know, the period in the first few weeks when uh, when football returns, everything is is thrown into jeopardy again. But you know, certainly the last two stories that we've discussed there, the, the Switzerland example and, and the UEFA Chiefs comments. Certainly good news for Liverpool, certainly good news for, for football fans who you know, are desperate to, to see this season come back. But yeah, again, it, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens tomorrow because there's sort of two completely opposite trains of thought at the moment. Obviously, France have, have taken one route, Switzerland have taken the other. And, you know, we expect a few more details in terms of, of what the Premier League is going to plan to come out tomorrow. But, you know, obviously, whatever they come out with has got to be government back. And all the signs at the moment are that, you know, they want this football season to be back sooner rather than later. And for Liverpool, I think that can only be a good thing. Thanks very much, Matt, and thank you very much for listening at home or at work. We'll be back later this afternoon with a special podcast with the Liverpool Echoes political editor, Liam Thorpe, who will be speaking about Liverpool's last match seven weeks ago now against Atletico Madrid and whether it should have ever taken place, certainly with supporters in the ground, given what has happened since in this city and in the country. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.